0: All right.
1: In today's episode of I Don't Know Much, I'm going to be discussing the environmental impact of healthcare with two fellow McMaster students, John Collins and Katherine Quillen. We were in a global health course together this past year and for the final project, which was themed around the idea of the environment and health, we teamed up to create a Canadian healthcare impact report, which outlines the contributions of our healthcare system to environmental pollution, which in itself is a huge issue today. So today we're going to be walking you through the main findings of this report, specifically highlighting healthcare's greenhouse gas emissions and poor waste disposal their environmental and health effects, and then who is impacted the most by these effects. And our goal with this report was basically to address the issues and promote environmental sustainability within our own healthcare system so that we can contribute to lowering our environmental pollution and help save our planet. Before we get into that, some highlights from the report, Catherine and John, please introduce yourselves for the audience.
2: Okay, well, thank you, Miranda, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, so my name is Catherine, as Miranda mentioned, and I'm a student at McMaster University. I'm entering my fifth year in Honors Life Science, and I'm also completing an interdisciplinary minor in Sustainability. So I'm really interested in public health and science communication, and specifically how public health systems are going to prepare for the health impact of climate change. So I was so happy to do this project with you guys and excited to talk about it more today. Amazing, awesome. thank you.
0: And uh, as, as Miranda said, my name's John. I just finished my fifth year of uh, in the Bachelor of Commerce degree at McMaster. And right now I'm working at uh, Volvo Car Canada in business operations. And one of the main reasons I, I ended up joining Volvo after I graduated was because of their uh, focus in sustainability uh, all through the the sort of corporate mission that they have. And um, also related to this discussion, I'm, I'm uh, starting a master's degree in, in global health in the fall at Epic Master. So going to continue my education related to to global health and similarly, very excited to, to be having this chat with you
1: all. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. So. Let's just get right into it. Um, overall, the environmental pollution is just a huge issue right now, but so I wanna kind of address why we chose to actually analyze the environmental impact of healthcare itself.
0: Well, I think it starts with the fact that we all have a mutual interest in health and, and healthcare, but uh, more generally, it's, it's just that we're seeing a big rise in awareness around sustainability, but healthcare isn't one of those sectors where there's much pressure or much talk about becoming more green. Um, so I think uh, that was the main reason. And also the fact that uh, at the end of the day, healthcare is a massive contributor to greenhouse gas emissions and to, um, you know, global warming. You know, if it was a, a country, I, I believe it would be the, the fifth largest country behind China, India, Russia, and and the U S in terms of, pollution. So obviously, if we're going to be tackling climate change, healthcare is a a big piece of the the puzzle.
2: Completely agree. And I also remember discussing with you guys how there was so much conversation during the pandemic about how the environment or our pollution was doing better because people weren't traveling and there was less transportation. And so we were really interested in looking at has the environment really improved? And or has this increased emphasis on healthcare been increasing greenhouse gas emissions and healthcare pollution, especially with all the PPE that's being used this year? So it feels like a timely uh, discussion. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that Because of all the new ideas surrounding sustainability and trying to get to these net zero emissions, a lot of industries have started to do better, but healthcare isn't really one of them and they haven't fully grasped um, the immense reimagining that has to kind of occur within the field. So super important topic and it's a really huge field. So very excited to get more into that. So let's start off off with like what greenhouse gas emissions are and what Canada's goals are or were for achieving these reduced emissions, because as we know, this is probably one of the largest drivers of the environmental pollution and things that are going to have the biggest effects down the line.
2: Now, I can start us off since I tackled this section in our report. So greenhouse gas emission, just briefly, by definition, is anything that absorbs and emits radiation in the thermal infrared range. Um, So commonly, we talk about carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide as greenhouse gases, and they cause the famous greenhouse gas effect. Um, Canada has a bunch of goals to reduce these greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, most of them have failed, unfortunately. So uh, in 2009, uh, Canada pledged to decrease greenhouse gas emissions by 17% compared to 2005 levels by 2020. And we did not meet that goal at all. Um, we did make some good uh, progress and emissions didn't significantly increase from 2005 to 2020, but we certainly didn't meet the goal. and Canada went even further in 2016 at the Paris um, Climate Accord to decrease emissions by 30% by 2030 and 100% by 2050. And we are certainly not on track. And the healthcare sector, as we'll continue to discuss, is going to be a major player in trying to meet those
0: goals. I'd also add that I I think that those sort of goals that you cited were the Paris Climate Goals or mm-hmm. were they? other external goals? Anyway, I believe that they were the Paris goals, and I saw an interesting thing recently about how if the world continues operating uh, like they did in COVID-19, then we actually will achieve the, the climate goals amid all the economic and uh, turmoil that, that happened during COVID-19. Because there actually was during 2020, I believe if I'm getting the number right, about a seven percent decrease <laughs> In global emissions. Now, of course, for us to maintain that would be impossible in a non COVID yeah. world. Um, <laughs> so it just sort of points at the fact that these climate or these Paris goals are uh, not achievable at this point, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And mm-hmm. hopefully, in the upcoming uh, COP meeting, which is in Glasgow, I believe, coming up this year, they'll, they'll come up with some, some more realistic and, uh, and achievable goals to, to strive for.
1: Yeah, like literally everything has to stop in order for us to even meet a little bit of the goals that we want.
0: So no more flights, no more driving, no more building, (laughs) and then we can do it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, Something else that I thought was really interesting that is that Canada has this like net zero emissions accountability act. That requires like progress reports um, from industries, like on achieving the goal of net zero, but it doesn't actually have any incentives to reduce emissions or penalties for not meeting these goals. So it's really, it doesn't really do much in terms of trying to get these companies
2: to go green. Yeah, it's called the Accountability Act, but there's pretty much zero accountability.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: So, also very interesting. but so
1: how does healthcare specifically contribute to these greenhouse gas emissions?
2: Uh, Well, in Canada specifically, the healthcare sector contributes about 33 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions per year, which is about 4.6% of all greenhouse gas emissions in Canada. So it is a significant uh, portion. And as John mentioned, if greenhouse gas emissions from healthcare were a country, it would actually be the fifth worst polluter in the world. So it is a significant contributor to uh, climate change. And that's why it needs to be at the forefront of the climate conversation. Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and that just that just also points at how there's been, we haven't really heard about environmental sustainability and healthcare at all. I mean, if, if we compare this to the automotive sector, the passenger car sector, which is what, what I work in, that uh four percent or even i think it's closer to seven percent in in the us and, and other countries um, that healthcare contributes to global ho- or uh, greenhouse gas emissions um, that's close to the passenger car industry and we've seen widespread adoption of electric vehicles mm-hmm. widespread awareness widespread tr- strategic change among automotive companies but nothing in a comparable industry like healthcare mm-hmm. and uh, as i think we'll get into there's other reasons why I think healthcare should be on at the forefront of our minds as one of the first ones that we should uh, probably convert because every industry is going to have to do it eventually.
1: Yeah, I honestly have been looking more into this recently and I didn't actually realize how much fossil fuels are used for literally everything that we do in terms of like making concrete, making steel, um, making the batteries even for electric cars. Like there's just, it's in literally in everything that we do. And I just think kind of taking, I was reading a book recently and kind of like taking that step back and realizing how ingrained it is into everything makes you realize how much harder it is to kind of be in, get to these um, goal of zero emissions, but it is something that's necessary because we're not going to be alive in a couple decades without it, right? So I just think that was really interesting. Um, kind of Absolutely. like going into this field, like kind of researching this topic, you don't realize how big of an issue it is and how hard it actually is too.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. I remember doing the research for this um, project and actually 71% of the emissions associated with healthcare are the life cycle emissions, things that are happening upstream and downstream of actual healthcare services. So we're not just talking about hospitals and doctor's offices, but it's the production and transportation and distribution Mm -hmm. of uh, the healthcare products, of pharmaceutical products, of the PPE that we use, of everything we use to make the hospital. Um, It's such a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And decarbonizing that supply chain obviously isn't easy and isn't necessarily the sole responsibility of um, a doctor per se, but the industry right. is is so reliant on fossil fuels that it's it seems hard to envision a future where mm-hmm. it is not reliant, but it's necessary. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But so what is actually like, what are the environmental impacts of these greenhouse gas emissions? Because our report really focused on what are the environmental impacts and then what are the health impacts and how is that affecting humans because of that? So let's focus right now on like what's going to happen with the environment if these greenhouse gas emissions just continue to go up and nothing's changing.
2: Um, Well, there's some classic ones that everybody knows about, Mm -hmm. like uh, temperature rise, which will be specifically um, seen in Canada. We're warming at twice the rate of the rest of the world because of our northern latitude. Um, Sea level rise is always a huge topic of discussion, and specifically in Canada, um, Halifax, Vancouver, other coastal cities will be largely impacted. I remember writing that over 200,000 people in Vancouver live within that one meter of sea level that will will rise and will cause a lot of displacement. Um, Forest fires are also a huge problem in Canada associated with forest fires and climate change, the warming weather will further dry out the forests. and warming weather also spreads vectors and insects farther north. Um, This related to forest fires, the mountain pine beetle uh, is killing a lot of trees in Canada and that is drying out the trees, of course, which leads to more forest fires. So those are some of the huge environmental impacts, but certainly not all of them. I think, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but I think this summer there's been a big
1: more tick awareness in terms of like tick checking with everything. And like, I'm seeing a lot of social media posts on people finding ticks in like their kids' hair, um, like every day. So I just think that we're really starting to see the effects of it now. And this is something that's occurring because of all of these emissions.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the issues with climate change, climate change awareness, sustainability awareness, is that it's hard to quantify the impact that this has on a person-to-person basis. Like, it's hard for people to see the impact of climate change in their life. But, uh, you know, you know, somewhat encouragingly, I, I think that we're starting to see that impact. And mm-hmm. I, I think that people are going to realize that, you know, we just had a May where the average temperature in, in Ottawa where I where I live was, like, 30 degrees. Like, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Like, that's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like, I've never seen so many people concerned about Concerned about ticks outside of like the northern U.S., right? Like mm-hmm. this is uh, things I think are changing, uh, and and we're and we're seeing that, which is which is fantastic. Unfortunately, for the wrong reasons,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: uh, unfortunately, I think that we'll we'll see some of the the negative impacts uh, worsen before they get better. Obviously, but um, we're going in the right direction, I think, with this this widespread awareness. Mm-hmm. Totally.
2: I was just going to say that people care about things when they're impacting themselves more. Yeah. which... You know, isn't necessarily um, bad, but it's going to continue happening with climate change, where people are feeling those effects personally, and I think are going to care more about doing something about it. Um, I was rereading
1: our report, and I think that it was termed the agency effect. So, like when you are more aware of it for yourself, then it becomes an issue for you, right? Is that do I have that? Yeah, exactly
0: the way that we used it in the report was to describe medical science versus other types of sciences and medical science by its very definition has an impact on all of us because it's, it's based in human health. Mm -hmm. Um, Compare that to say, uh, and it's not a shot to, you know, any other types of sciences, but compare that, say to space science, Mm -hmm. people will say for space science, like, you know, that doesn't impact me. Why are we investing in that? Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of benefits to that obviously, Uh, but uh, with medical science, you can't really say that. Like, it's like, of course it's impacting you. It's it's mm-hmm. meant to impact you. It's very reason for being is impacting you. So there's, it's got a stronger agency effect, we say. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. So that's like how it's affecting the environment. What about the direct and indirect actual health impacts that humans are going to be experiencing because of these changes?
2: Well, you said something important there. It's going to impact our health directly and indirectly. So directly, obviously, if we have long heat waves, you're gonna see an increased incidence of heat stroke. And uh, with increased air pollution, you're going to see increased respiratory disease. But less often discussed are the ways that climate change and the environmental impact of climate change are going to indirectly affect human health. And that's through the social and structural determinants of health that they will affect so this is through access to food and access to clean water um housing security uh food or food security as i mentioned so through these di- pathways it's going to indirectly impact our health i don't know if anybody else wants to further expand on how that will happen but that's technically the
0: the way it'll work <laughs> yeah that's that's a great overview and and i think that uh we're, we're starting to see that too with. Mass migrations of of people, mm-hmm. and how um, you know many people are are linking these migrations to climate issues. I mean, uh, you know, droughts or f- famine situations in mm-hmm. a lot of uh, you know, especially sub-Saharan African and uh, Middle Eastern countries, causing people to people to move away to an area where they can actually sustain themselves. Right, so. Uh, and and I think that it's it's kind of scary to, to see the numbers that people are projecting of people who will be uh, climate refugees at some point in the future I mean some of these estimates are in the half a billion people yeah. and uh, and talk about indirect impacts uh, becoming direct impacts mm-hmm. uh, you know we, we all of a sudden have to uh, you know feed and, and house a whole bunch of extra people who can no longer live where where they uh, originally lived and Unfortunately, it's it's a lot of these people being impacted are lower income, mm-hmm. uh, people from lower or middle income nations. And a lot of the impact of climate change was from high income nations. Right. And so I think that sort of points back to us being in, in Canada, being in a high income nation and other high income nations having a responsibility to figure out this problem that we mm-hmm. fundamentally cause.
1: Yeah, So I think that we like covered greenhouse gas emissions really well, but something else we kind of alluded to that we talked about in the report was the idea of the waste that's produced in healthcare. Um, And so I can kind of start this off because this was something that I, was responsible for researching and really learning a lot about for a report. But um, in general, hospitals and clinics, like they generate a lot of waste and a lot of it's biohazardous waste that's produced during the treatment, diagnosis or immunization of patients. And that can't be disposed of like other waste that you just throw in the garbage of the recycling. It has to be sterilized or incinerated before actual disposal in order to eliminate the possible infectious organisms and like bodily fluids that could be on the waste. Um, or that is on the waste. And so in Canada, most biohazardous healthcare waste is incinerated before being disposed of at like a landfill per se. And so incineration converts waste into residual ash and gases for really easy easy disposal, but that method emits large quantities of harmful pollutants into the atmosphere. So it releases, it's like the second largest source of toxic dioxin emissions in Canada and accounts for 9% of our total mercury emissions every year. And so dioxins are really harmful. It happens when we incinerate waste that contains chlorine, which a lot of plastics actually contain. And so that toxic waste can be carried long distances after it's released into the atmosphere and polluting soil, water and food sources. And then in us, they cause these developmental problems and immune system damage and cancer. Um, And so all of these are just like super harmful for us. And we don't even realize that it's just from the waste that we produce. And it contributes to other things like particulate matter and other harmful gases that don't contain carbon, but are still really dangerous for the
0: environment and for our health. Oh, absolutely, and, and uh, one, one thing that I was looking at recently was uh, male fertility rates throughout the high income nations. And there's, you've seen a drop, a massive drop in male fertility by about 50% since 1970 and today. And obviously, there are many impacts of why this could be, you know, us, you know, dousing ourselves in chemicals when we clean, when we clean ourselves, when you know, drinking and eating, consuming the things that we do. But I'm sure that you know the harmful pollutants in our environment has got to have an impact on uh, this drop that we're seeing, and many other drops that I'm I'm sure we're seeing in in other populations of, of people that are leading to worse health uh, impacts.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's also really interesting because a lot of the research that we were looking into showed that some, although there's a lot of this biohazardous waste, some of the waste that hospitals in Canada are actually producing are labeled as biohazardous, but it's actually fully recyclable materials that um, are not considered biohazardous, and and that was like 80% of the biohazardous labeled um, items were actually recyclable. And so we're missing this opportunity to um, be reducing some of these harmful gases that are released through um, incineration and things like that. And also hospital waste management programs are very few and far between. I think there was a bunch of studies that have showed that in 2016, participating Ontario hospitals Um, which there was a lot in the study and 50% of them didn't have any action plans or goals for appropriate waste management, no organic recycling programs um, or organic waste programs. And so it just shows you these, all of these different areas that we could be doing better. So I thought that was also really interesting.
2: That actually makes me feel somewhat optimistic, interestingly, (laughs) because that feels like a really tangible solution that people Mm -hmm. can start working on now in hospitals, in doctors' doctor's offices, um, it feels like an easier solution than as we talked about decarbonizing that whole supply chain that's causing greenhouse gas emissions. So I I like to be optimistic about the fact that these healthcare uh, waste solutions aren't in place, but they're really on the whole grand scheme of things, not the hardest thing to implement and get started on. So I think that's a great, uh, not necessarily first step, but next step
1: for- Absolutely.
2: I think that also as
1: people, we're becoming more environmentally aware. And so we want to recycle. And so we're going to take the time to separate our items into what's recyclable and what's garbage. Um, And so I think that that push from ourselves, just being more aware for ourselves will also help with being able
0: to um, do that in these hospitals and these clinics. Absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, going along with the the positive side of things, it was interesting when we saw some case studies of. Um, of hospitals and facilities that have implemented waste management policies. For a lot of these facilities, for a number of the ones that we looked at, all it took was an extra step that before they dispose of waste, they separated into recycling and Mm non-recycling. Like that seems to me, and I'm sure to you too, to many people listening, like an obvious step that we should have already been doing. But but no, of course you just Mm -hmm. throw it out and it goes wherever it goes. And that one step, that one addition in the, in the chain, Uh, was able to reduce the waste by, you know, 80, 90% in these facilities that we looked at. So uh, there are very simple things that we could do to vastly reduce, um, you know, health uh, or waste in in the healthcare system.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Remember, we spent a bit of time looking into, um, you know, sourcing things for hospitals and that are Biodegradable. For example, we looked into masks that are biodegradable. I mean, masks have been so widespread this year, and their single use produces so much waste and so Mm -hmm. much incineration. So, even just there being a little bit more thoughtfulness and care into where um, what the materials being used to create these products are, and making sure that us as consumers, and then also at the in the actual industry as a whole, are sourcing things that will end up being able to be recycled, as opposed to using something that's just going to be thrown out
0: <laughs> shortly mm-hmm. after. Yeah, I think that I think that Catherine points at a really important point that there there are solutions to a lot of these problems. You know, we do have packaging that is made from sustainable material. You know, we do have energy that is produced by sustainable sources. At the end of the day what it does come down to is economics in a lot of cases, right? It comes down to these Uh, products having a higher cost than the polluting alternative so if there's any call to anyone listening or i'm I'm sure that you know that us on the line are are thinking about this every day too uh, genius business idea find something that is currently polluting and make it economically feasible because Mm -hmm. you know talk about agency effect we're all you know we all want the best for the world, but we also want what's best for ourselves. And you would make a fortune <laughs> mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, everything needs to go this way. And if you can figure out how to do that with one product, then then you're off in a good direction to, to setting up the world to, to tackling the rest of the, the products that are out there.
1: Mm-hmm. I think one thing that I was surprised about when we were doing our report and seeing all these solutions that people have implemented and have been successful with is that there's actually a really high return on investment by doing this stuff. And you might it might not seem like that right up front because of high green premiums or because of the values. But in the long run, it actually saved a lot of these places money. And so there's really nothing stopping us from starting to implement these things now because in the end, it's going to be okay.
0: Absolutely. And a lot of the programs that we looked at in the case studies we we explored for this, for this project, most of them had a, a time, a payback period, so a time to recoup the initial investment mm-hmm. of a couple months to a couple of years, that's nothing, right? And then you get to reap the rewards of that investment indefinitely, or until you obviously have to replace that system. And we're talking about simple things like replacing faucets, like putting a waste management system into, into, uh, into a hospital, uh, You know, reducing energy use by dimming lights at night or, or things like this, right? So there's plenty of things, plenty of small changes that add up to big reduces in energy use and, and, and waste in hospitals.
1: Mm -hmm. I think now like just kind of briefly mentioning and I think we already alluded to it before was that the effects of like this increased healthcare waste in terms of human health um, incineration just leads to the production of pollutants that reduce lung function increase our cardiovascular risk asthma allergies and cause developmental and reproductive problems and Catherine like you were mentioning before with the increase of the single-use plastics in Ontario due to the COVID-19 pandemic they've been finding them a lot in hospital areas too and so these values are just going to go up because of the need for masks and these single-use plastics if things don't change with healthcare waste as well. Mm-hmm. But so something, my favorite part of the report that we did was that all of these pollutants, they have an effect on everything. And we created this whole idea of a cycle. And so does one of you want to say what the cycle is? Like, What do these pollutants mean if we don't do anything for our health and our healthcare system?
0: John, take it away. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I think that this was one of the, the more in- ingenious uh, parts of our report because uh, obviously every system uh, or every industry in, in the world has to change to become more sustainable. But healthcare is kind of unique. You know, the impacts of climate change aren't felt directly by many industries in the world. You know Google and Amazon and Johnson & Johnson, they aren't putting on their, their quarterly reports that their revenue decreased or that their costs increased because of some climate impact. By and large, they aren't. They might say it's a risk, but they aren't saying that there's a direct financial impact. Healthcare there is, because how we've spelled this out here, these environmental pollutants have a, a cost on human health and a higher cost on human health increases the burden on the healthcare system. An increased burden on the healthcare system increases the pollutants from the healthcare system. Increasing pollutants from the healthcare system increases healthcare or health uh, impacts. And it's a cycle, right? So it's one of the only industries that you could really say that about and uh, honestly probably calculate the, the direct financial impact just by being able to, to calculate the impact of pollutants on health and of health on healthcare. So it's it's pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say that's why healthcare is so important mm-hmm. that we focus on reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and reducing the waste because they're going to feel the impact and our human health is going to be impacted.
1: Yeah. Before we get into more of why healthcare needs to act now and why it's important that they do, let's talk about like who the most vulnerable groups are to these environmental concerns, like who's gonna be the most affected by them um, in the long term.
0: So we've, we've mentioned uh, a little bit about the health impacts of, of these pollutants. You know, a lot of people with respiratory issues, people with, uh, you know, a, 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 like a suppressed immune systems. So uh, these people who, you know, these types of conditions that pollution is causing, uh, people with pre-existing conditions like that will have a greater burden of these pollutants um, on, their, on their health. Uh, so that's one group. Uh, another group is people of lower socioeconomic status, and generally people in society who don't have a lot of power, because mm-hmm. when uh, you know a government, let's say, is is looking to uh, place a power plant or uh, a you know garbage disposal facility in a community, generally speaking, they're going to choose the community that has less power in society, and that's generally the people who have less money, less education, uh, and less ability to, to stand up and, and do something about it based on you know what situation they were born into. Uh, unfortunately, uh, these groups of people often include uh, indigenous populations. And uh, indigenous populations I are sort of doubly burdened by this in that they have a higher, you know, case or, or occurrence of pre-existing conditions, due to uh, Canada's history of uh, traumatizing these these populations mm-hmm. in many different ways, as as we've seen uh, in in the news quite recently, and in them being marginalized in our society, and they're also obviously of lower socioeconomic status for for these reasons as well. So pre-existing conditions, low SES. Indigenous populations and people with mental health issues are, are all disproportionately impacted by, by pollution. And uh, it definitely points at, at another reason why we should do something because that's not fair.
2: Yeah, completely agree with everything that you said. And I think we're really just following the theme that we've seen over the last year of the pandemic who have been the people that have been. Uh, disproportionately affected. Those are the people with low socioeconomic status who live in crowded living conditions, um, indigenous populations, and people with pre-existing health conditions. So we're going to see those same inequities continue um, as we experience the health effects of climate change and that's why we need to be focusing on them to prevent that inequitable distribution of these awful effects.
1: Yeah. And as we alluded to before with the greenhouse gas gas emissions, there's like the obvious direct effects on our health as well as the indirect outcomes um, that are a result of like the social, economic and environmental impacts of climate change and pollution that include famine, conflict, displacement, migration, things that we alluded to before. And they all just have these these greater effects on these communities.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. I think the mental health point that John brought up is a really interesting one as well, because I remember during the research, we found that the mental health impacts outweigh the physical health impacts Mm -hmm. by about 40 times, I think it was. It was something huge. And those mental health effects are going to be dramatically felt by these uh, vulnerable populations as well, more significantly than they will be the less vulnerable populations. So we not only need to be preparing to deal with the physical health effects, but also
0: the mental health effects. Absolutely. And and when we're, when we're talking about mental health too, uh, even external from uh, pollution, you know, mental health is one of the, uh, or mental illness rather is one of the highest or fastest growing reasons for disease burden globally. And I believe as we speak in, in high income nations, it's uh, first or second in terms of uh, cause of, of morbidity. So cause of suffering due to health status. And I think this will become an, an ever increasing issue, especially uh, as we're seeing during the, the COVID-19 pandemic, people struggling with their, with their mental health being locked in, in their homes and not being able to see their friends, not being able to, to socialize normally. Uh, so this will become a, a more pressing issue as, as we move on, both because of pollution, but also because of other uh, factors globally.
1: Mhm completely agree. And so why does healthcare need to tackle this problem now? Like why is this why should this be priority number 1 for them?
0: Well, there are there are a number of converging factors right now mm-hmm. that would sort of lend us to believe that now is the time for leaders within healthcare to act. You know, for one, healthcare workers are among the most trusted uh, professionals, you know, in a population, I believe nurses are trusted by 91% of the population, doctors close behind at like 89%. And in some people's minds, climate change is still a debate. Right. And obviously we would disagree with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, for, I think, close to 35% of Canadians, it's still up in the air whether this is happening. So we need people who they trust in order to communicate why we should care about pollution Mm -hmm. and and climate change. And the other thing is that right now during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're seeing people's attention turn to medical science and towards healthcare like never before Mm -hmm. in, in history. Right now, we have tremendous momentum and tremendous authority as people within the healthcare system to change opinions. And I think that we need to move or we need to use That momentum and after COVID 19, hopefully during COVID 19, push for other very pressing issues that are going to impact people, similarly in the way that COVID 19 has has impacted people's lives. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, we've been living through a global health crisis, and as amazing as it is that we have a light at the end of the tunnel, unfortunately, the next global health crisis is probably going to be caused by climate change. Mm -hmm. And so While we're living through a health crisis, it's easier to tell people we want to prevent this from happening again. So we need to take action now to prevent this from happening again, because we're currently feeling the effects of this crisis and we don't want it to happen again. So Mm -hmm. it's the best time to build on that momentum and tell people if we want our future to be brighter than what it is right now, then we need to act. Mm -hmm. I think you guys said that
1: great like no other time has medicine consumed such a large part of our collective consciousness. And so and soon it's gonna start drifting away from this as we do start to see that light. And so we, you're right, we completely have to use this current momentum. I really love the way you guys phrase that. And again, like how we were saying before, that healthcare is gonna be so affected by this. So they should really start leading this change uh, with this issue.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's remarkable that we live in a time where much of the population knows what RNA is. Yeah. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, the average person true. knows that. I mean, it's, it's pretty remarkable. But mm-hmm. um, it, is, it is kind of at the beginning of this pandemic. One of my first thoughts, and not to sound like an altruistic, uh, you know, more than the average person, but one of my first thoughts was, oh, no, like, this is going to pull awareness away from climate change. Because mm-hmm. in 2019, 2020, I did feel... Like there was a growing consciousness about the the urgency of climate change as an issue. And obviously when COVID-19 hit, you know, you know, body checked everyone off their off their course, including all of science. And I think that now we're sort of getting back on course and focusing on on these issues. And um, and I've been seeing it in in the media, I've been seeing it in you know, countries coming up with new policies, I've been seeing it in in companies coming out with new targets that they're that they're going after so it's very encouraging i think it's i think that we're going to tackle this problem mm-hmm. which is which is amazing and um, it'll be the biggest one of of the history of humanity but we're gonna do it i think
1: me too um, to hear that optimism? yeah <laughs> that's what we have to have that you know yeah. in order i think to make change be optimistic about it so now that we mentioned everything that's bad and all the problems and what's really causing these issues what what's con- contributing to these environmental changes. Let's just fire off some of, the, and we know this problem, we know this problem is not going to be easy to solve, but in doing a lot of the research, we found that there are some solutions that people have implemented that we can kind of piggyback on and see if it works for us um, or similar things. And so let's fire off some of, some just a few of the solutions that we found to kind of demonstrate that there is light at the end of the tunnel and that we can change these things. I can start off by saying that there are some different types of uh, I guess like incinerators for hospital waste that actually take the waste and turn it into recyclable material. Um, and it doesn't generate greenhouse gas emissions um, or other harmful pollutants, and that's called plasma pyrolysis. Um, and so that was something I thought that was really cool. And there's a bunch of papers on it as, as like an alternative to the harmful byproducts of incineration.
0: I think fundamentally people within health organizations need to change how they think about sustainability. And sustainability initiatives, because right now, by most people, and this isn't just a problem within health. This is probably within most industries. Most people view it as an expense, right? So it's just something that's going to cost money. It's like, oh no, we need to we need to invest in changing everything we're doing because of the planet. But I think that that's a wrong way of thinking about it. I think that sustainability is actually sort of like a it's like an open door to change how people are doing things and to make systems more efficient. And the nice thing about efficiency is that, you know, if you can do things like reduce overall energy use, then you can reduce costs. You know, if if you can replace old technologies to make them more efficient and see more patients and, and reduce the need for as much expensive labor, well, then you can reduce costs, right? So I think that we need to sort of, Rethink how we're approaching these these problems because some of the things that we'll mention right now are just the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, mm-hmm. the the more widespread systems changes are things like a greater emphasis on preventive care. You know, what if what if we um, instead of had a reactive healthcare system had a preventive healthcare system? We invested in diet and exercise programs rather than things like you know insulin uh, for the rest of someone's life or dialysis until. Uh, until they pass away, right? These sorts of things are going to keep people out of hospitals, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, reducing the number of people using healthcare system is going using our healthcare system is going to have the greatest single reduction in emissions as well as costs. Mm-hmm.
2: Right? Yeah, we found so many amazing uh, stories of solutions being implemented in the healthcare system to solve these problems, um, but I just you know, want to remind us all that our Canadian public or our Canadian health system is publicly funded. So our public opinion does matter about what we want to see uh, moving forward. And so making sure that we are voting people into power who believe um, in climate change and believe in investing proactively, as John said, to prevent these problems is really important. And that's something that we can all Uh, Collectively work towards, and it's something you can do as an individual.
1: Yeah, totally. That's so well. I think everything that we said just really sums up the main findings of a report, but there's so much more in that that we didn't talk about. We have the key points, but we have a lot of backed up information um, for everything that we're saying, as well as solutions um, to all of these problems. And so that report is going to be made available as a link in the description for this podcast episode. So please, please learn more about these issues and the possible steps that healthcare can begin to take to combat it. And share this episode to anyone you know in policy, anyone you know in healthcare. Just anyone, um, because these issues are really, really important, and we need to have this conversation more and spread the word. Um, okay, so Catherine and John, thank you so much for being here. I don't know if you have any final, last words that you want to end off our conversation
0: with. Well, I think I think the final word should should be a, a word of an encouragement that we will figure out these problems. This is the the biggest challenge of, of certainly our generation, and uh, I just I just can't wait to be uh, you know sixty and reuniting with with you two, and uh, looking at how, how little our healthcare system is (laughs) having a negative detriment on the on the environment. Mm -hmm. um, I look forward to that to that moment in time. And I think we'll get there. Agreed. I want
2: to thank everybody for listening, because I think the first step is, you know, becoming aware and educating yourself. And if you're listening to this podcast, that means that you care about this issue. So thank you for doing that. And I hope that Together, we can all solve these problems. I know that together, we can all solve these problems.
1: <laughs> Thanks again so much for being here. And John and Catherine, um, you guys know so much about this topic and about so many other other realms. Um, so if anyone's interested in learning more about your experience, your research, your educational background, um, where can they find you? Where can they connect?
0: Well, LinkedIn would, would probably be the best for me. Um, you can probably just search John Collins. There's only thousands of them. I think that my I think that my name on LinkedIn is John D. Collins Eleven, uh, but if you if you search around, it's it's there's a green background in my photo, and I'm uh I'm happy to to ch- chat about sustainability, uh, healthcare, you know, technology, anything. But I'll I'll probably also ask you a barrage of questions, so be prepared.
2: And if you want to get in touch with me, it's probably the best place is to follow me on Twitter. It's Catherine, um a weird spelling, but Miranda can put it in the description. Um Catherine MCQ underscore. I like to talk about science communication and public health. So if you're interested in those topics, uh send me a message.
1: Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Season two of I don't know much. Um, Everyone stay tuned for next coming episodes. Stay safe, stay smart and see you next time.